talk about it, talk about it. Don't let it sit on your mind. When you talk about it, talk about it. Hello, hello, hello. You guys are now tuned into episode 10 of the Mindful Podcast. And today we are going to be talking about grief. We have a great episode planned for you guys today. And I have some amazing guests here uh, that all have different stories and have lost different people throughout their lives. And they're they're going to share their experiences with you. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves now. Let's start with Jessica. Hi, everyone. My name is Jessica Pierre, and I am from the Boston area. I work full-time as a public relations professional, and I also am a political writer, and I run an organization called The Queen's Company, where we work to empower women of color in the greater Boston area. My name is Royale L. Rodden. I'm a transformational speaker, and I'm the founder of a community center called RTI, Empowerment Center out of Stoughton, Massachusetts. Let's get it on purpose. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, I'm Josh McNeil. Uh, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I provide clinical services uh, at a hospital, and I also work at a university. Not from the Boston area, but I'm here, and I'm ready to get it popping. You're from Florida, right? Yeah, I'm from Florida. When yeah. I met you, you had a FAMU sweatshirt on. What Funny you know about story. FAMU? Well, I still live in Florida. <laughs> oh, where? where? Oh. Aventura. And oh, Miami, Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 305. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mall. Yep, and I, I used to live right across the street from the Aventura Mall. Yeah. But it's funny story, when I met you, I had actually known who you were, so we were connected through a mutual friend, and like we were texting mm-hmm. for podcast purposes to right. have you come be a guest, mm-hmm. and then I met him at a training at Southern Jamaica Plain Health Center, and like we were partners, we had a whole dialogue and everything, and then after the fact, he was like, I think... That was you. Yeah. I was at the training, and I was like, wow, this is such a small world. Like, we knew each other, but didn't know each other. Boston small and black professional Boston is yeah. super small. Super yeah, small. yeah. Extremely sure. small. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm happy you guys are here. And just even from the introductions, I can just already tell this is going to be a powerful conversation. Because I feel like, not that the other groups have not been leaders, but we have uh, really strong leaders at this table right now and i think your voices being added to this conversation is really going to lead conversations outside of here as well and just thinking about your networks and the people that you serve and the people that you're connected to i think it's going to be really really great Mm -hmm. so i wanted to start this conversation off with a quote that i actually found on twitter and i thought it really like summed up what grief is really well and you guys can chime in on if you agree if you don't agree but the quote is grief never ends but it changes it's a passage not a place to stay grief is not a sign of weakness nor a lack of faith it is the price to pay for love Mm, i love the ending Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. price you pay for love i mean i think it's it's a journey and it's about you know I mean, grief is defined as like more of an outward expression of a, of a loss. And it does change over time. It never leaves you. Uh, there's different phases and cycles that you go through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you learn and go through what you go through. And it's a lot to unpack. It's a lot mm-hmm. of emotions that I think that we should be open to and not suppress. But also with that, you never want to assume or try to think just because you went 
through something, mm-hmm. somebody else had it the same way. Right. Mm-hmm. You want to like have it to where or have an understanding to where you can understand what it was for you, but try to understand what others are coming from their grief. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a major reason why I did start this podcast in the first place to really place a voice around different people's experiences of the same thing because especially I feel like as black people when we come to a a table we think of our experiences from a singular lens but you can have different black people come together and experience the same thing in so many different ways because Mm -hmm. everything is just a combination of how you were raised Mm -hmm. different things you were exposed to in the world so I do want to go around because everybody does have a different experience with grief in this room. So I want to know a little bit about how you guys have experienced it firsthand. I mean, I've experienced the loss of loved ones like throughout my life mm-hmm. since I was growing up. Actually, growing up, my mom used to take me to wakes all the time. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I was seeing, you know, dead bodies and coffins at an early age. And then I would go home at night and be scared to sleep. So I, I've been around it for a long time, but um. Mm-hmm. Every now and then, I would lose, you know, someone close to me, mm-hmm. and it would really, really hurt. The past three years, I've lost three people who were really, really extremely close to me, mm-hmm. like back to back. Actually, it's kind of scary. Like, so I lost my mom October twenty ninth, two thousand sixteen, Then I lost my dad October twenty fourth, two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And I just lost the mother of my children. Uh, November 18th, 2018. So it was like a back to back. So while I'm still grieving over my mom, who passed two years ago, it's like another blow and another blow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's my recent experience with grief. And how have you been dealing with those experiences? My man said over here, like you go through different stages. For people who may not know the different stages of grief, like the first stage, is denial mm-hmm. and the second stage is anger third stage like it's like you're trying to bargain with the situation mm-hmm. and you go to depression then acceptance but for me it doesn't necessarily go in those orders mm-hmm. it's like oh. different it's different right. ones at different right. times it's like sometimes i'm still in denial i don't want to accept what the reality is and sometimes i'm angry mm-hmm. sometimes i'm depressed mm-hmm. sometimes i'm like okay this is life this is what happens this is how we all go is it ever like both at the same time yeah. too, especially because you've been dealing with back to back, like depressed and yeah. angry? It's and... compounded. Mm-hmm. It's compounded. It comes at different times. I could be in a great space mm-hmm. in the next two minutes. I could just could be completely down. I, sometimes I'm driving mm-hmm. and I got to pull over because I just start crying out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It just starts falling. I got to pull over to just mm-hmm. cry. I wipe my eyes and I'm back on the road. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's like a ball of emotions at different states and that must be tough to like be grieving but then have to go about your day-to-day life yeah right and just like suck it up and especially because you have children and having to be there for them yeah you know like i could tell you one thing my mother died on a friday evening and then on a saturday the bill collector called the bill collectors they don't care Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. like okay where's our money Mm -hmm. so it's like life still goes on no matter what you're going through so you gotta like sometimes tuck your grief in and then keep it moving and then here and there you find little corners to cry and be angry whatever Mm -hmm. you got to do to cope and then Mm -hmm. you get back to work Mm -hmm. what about you jessica so i experienced grief at a very young age when i was nine my mom passed away and i agree that it definitely it never goes away but it changes So, you know, experiencing death, especially when it's like a parent, that's like one of the worst types of pain that Mm -hmm. you can ever experience 
So the fact that I experienced that so young, it honestly made me very resilient mm-hmm. at a young mm-hmm. age. And it, it made me quickly turn into an empath. So I could feel a lot of people's pain and I could easily identify with it. And I always wanted to help other people because of that. And then throughout my life, I've also experienced grief. When I was a junior in high school, I lost my grandfather. And then when I was in eighth grade, I lost one of my great aunts from cancer. And she actually like lived with us and she like slept in the same room as me. So like, even though we all knew she was sick, like when she passed, it was still like very hard on us. This year, I've lost so many people. I've been to Mm -hmm. so many funerals this year. Mm -hmm. It's been ridiculous. And I had one of my really close friends pass away from a car accident earlier this year. Mm -hmm. And that was like, even though I've dealt with death and grief throughout my life, it never gets any easier, Mm -hmm. especially when it's somebody young, because it's different when it's somebody who's Mm -hmm. sick. Even though you know that they're sick and that there's a chance that they may pass away, it still doesn't soften the blow, but Mm -hmm. it's different. You know what I mean? Like your perception of it is different. Like they're not suffering anymore. Like they're free. Mm -hmm. They're in a better place. But when it's like somebody young that dies so suddenly, Mm -hmm. it's like, why? Why? Yeah. (laughs) It's it's just hard to deal with. It definitely makes me able to like connect with people a lot more. The fact that I've been able to like deal with this type of pain. You know, a lot of people always ask, like, how do you deal with your mom, like, passing so young? And sometimes I question myself because I don't always get sad over it anymore because mm-hmm. I've honestly lived without my mom throughout my life more than I actually lived with her. Mm-hmm. So I spent 22 years without her. Like Royale said, life kind of goes on and you have no choice but to continue to keep pushing, especially when you're young at nine. It's like you already know, like, you have so much life ahead of you and, like, you just have to adjust, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I feel guilty because I'm like, why am I not, like, sad all the time? Because people are always like, if I lost my mom, I'd be so depressed. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, no, because you're going to learn to move on. You're mm-hmm. going to learn to move forward. But that's just something I've learned to accept. And now I, I still, like, talk to my mom a lot. And I refer to her as my guardian angel. So it's like a, my perception of her has changed. So, like, no, I can't, like, run to my mom and I like, get a hug or I can't, you know, talk to her and get, her, get advice and mm-hmm. stuff. But I know she's my guardian angel, so, like, I still communicate with her Mm -hmm. in a lot of different ways. So that makes me think of, is there, like, a right way to grieve? Because in Jessica's experience, people are saying, like, if I were in this position, but then at the same time, you never know until you're actually there, right? Right. Is there, like, a healthy way to grieve, or is there a way that is what maybe clinicians would suggest is the appropriate way to grieve? I would say the thing is you don't want to suppress it. Mm-hmm. It's good to be open and honest with yourself. I think that when you grieve, you want to see where you are in life at that point. You don't want to go make a big move, have another child if you can, or you want to make sure like the stuff that you can control, you can kind of control those things, but be open to the emotion, right? Be open to talking about it with people that you care about. Because there's a lot of times I think as we grow and learn, there's people that you talk to. And there's people that you don't talk to. And you want to be mindful of the people that you talk to, your support system. Mm -hmm. The people that know you, they understand you. They know your plight. Mm -hmm. You can't just talk to anybody. And again, you want to be able to cry about it. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we want to go do the next thing and just stay busy. I think the best way to be present with those emotions is to be present with those emotions. Right. right? You don't want to subside it because that can lead to other things down the line. You never know what happens in your psyche can affect your blood pressure, your mm-hmm. heart, because when those things happen, it channels everything else. So you want to go and you want to deal with it 
I mean, there's different ways to grieve, right? There's mm-hmm. different ways as far as a spiritual way. Mm-hmm. There's a, a social way you can do it. And also, to be honest, it's good to talk to somebody as a professional, mm-hmm. um, a licensed mental health person, be it a social worker, a psychologist. You want to talk to somebody like that because they're going to be neutral. They're not going to go out and tell your information and this and that. You can just be able to tell that person and process it and channel it. But definitely just being open and realizing as much as you can, it's not linear. Mm. You may be mm. feeling angry this day. You may be feeling denial. You may have acceptance with it. It goes. Just be open with that. It's not It's not linear. It's not one thing. You know, it's complex. As a clinician, I know your grandmother passed away a couple months ago, right? Mm-hmm. Have you sought any form of therapy as yes. a clinician going yes. through that? yes. I actually have, mm-hmm. and I've definitely felt these emotions as well. Since it's something new, it's still it's still new. I'm still going through these things, but what I practice is what I preach. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? Have you guys seen a therapist around? Yeah, I remember when we first found out that our mom passed away. So my mom passed away when we lived in Haiti at the time, and some of our family members brought us to like a a psychiatrist but it was only one session Mm. and I was a kid so I was kind of like playing with the toys and like kind of like there we didn't really get too deep and it wasn't something that we did continuously it was just like that one thing and I can't really say it helped that much what really helped me was was, like my family and my community and the people Mm -hmm. around me Mm -hmm. I was always surrounded by so much love like I remember after my mom passed away, it was just always people in the house. So I never really felt alone, mm-hmm. which was helpful. And even like I, got, I took some time off from school. But then when I went back to school, it was like amazing because the minute I walked into the classroom, like all my classmates were in like a prayer circle for me. Mm-hmm. So it was like crazy, like just like walk into that and just mm-hmm. like feel all that love. So I always felt that sense of community. And like that's really what helped me pull through. And I just started seeing a therapist this year. But my siblings and I, we would always talk about it. So I have a younger brother and I have an older sister. Mm-hmm. And then my dad always made it a point to like talk to us about it and just check in and like see how we were feeling. And honestly, sometimes I would get annoyed. We'd be like, oh, like we don't want to talk about this mm-hmm. right now, daddy. When we did talk, it was always like really good conversation and really insightful to just like be able to just be open and honest about everything and just to hear that things are going to be okay that's like always your worry like what happens next like Mm -hmm. what happens now so to have somebody tell you things are going to be okay like that's just like really reassuring so my community was just is just really helpful and it seems like your mom was like living through the community because you were talking about her being your garden angel but that prayer circle sounds like that was your mom yeah that's dope it's kind of crazy how she kind of manifests herself in different ways through my life. Like my dad always tells me, he's like, you're just like your mom. You're just like your mom. And a part of him is like kind of scared that I'm just like my mom because of the way that my mom passed away. So the way that my mom actually passed away. So we lived in Haiti and my mom was like a super ambitious woman, like always just trying to create a better life for her family and her children because she grew up really poor. And so she worked her way up to a a huge company in Haiti where she was like the associate director. And like, you know, we were very well off, you know, had a really big house and just, you know, went to private school. And unfortunately, the way things work in Haiti is when somebody wants your spot, the only way to take it is to take the person out. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what happened to my, my mother. She got murdered. 
So my dad is always scared that like, because I'm really ambitious and I'm a go-getter, that something like that could happen to me too. Mm -hmm. But I just kind of like reassure him that because I'm in America, the outcome can be different. But just like, you know, just to pray for me, like, don't worry for me. Just pray for me and, and pray that everything works out well. I've just been thinking about how you said that it's important for like people to have someone to speak to. And Mm -hmm. as someone who doesn't really have that many people that I've considered like, yes, I've gone to many funerals. I've gone to many wigs. I've had many people in my life pass away, but no one that I would consider like a pillar in my life, like not a mother or the father of my children, et cetera, et cetera, that I don't have. I question, how am I supposed to listen? Is there like a correct Hmm. way to listen to people when they're talking about death that they've gone through? Should I chime in? And I know I can never say I understand what you're going through because I don't. But should I empathize? Should I like what is the correct response or what do you guys feel like you need from your loved ones on the other end of listening to you crying or talking about your situations? I would say just be there. Mm -hmm. Just be there. If I'm talking, just listen. Mm -hmm. Just be there for me in all aspects of the word. Mm -hmm. And also be able to see when I might need some space. Mm -hmm. That's a real one. I I would say just be an ear, right? Mm -hmm. Just listen. You never want to tell anybody, don't be sad. You never want to say, I know exactly how you feel. Mm-hmm. You never want to say, you must feel this way, right? You want to actively listen, like say, mm-hmm, okay. You don't want to just say nothing. You want to make sure that you're giving them attention. You're looking them in the eye. You're, you know, shaking your head. Mm-hmm. You're being passive in a sense. But instead of saying, don't be sad, you can just say, I heard the news. How are you feeling today? Don't ever say, I know exactly how you feel. Mm-hmm. Just say, what has it been like for you? You never want to say, uh, at least this person's in a better place. You just say, like, are there any questions that you may have? How can I be there for you mm-hmm. at this point? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the biggest thing is listening. And I'll say, like, sometimes people may not be in a space to go run errands or to do this. So, mm-hmm. you know, be that active support in their mm-hmm. life when they're grieving or something. If you know them well they like this type of candy or this or that, you know, maybe just leave that for them. They may mm-hmm. not want it then, but they may come back to it later. Yeah. If they have some children, offer to pick up their children. If you have that relationship with them, mm-hmm. as far as uh, acts of kindness, mm-hmm. do those things just, just to be there for them and just to listen, you know? Mm-hmm. And you never want to assume what they're kind of going through. Just listen and, and go from there. Yeah, I always say empathize, don't sympathize. Because I often don't share this story because people will always say, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And it's it makes me cringe when people say that because, like, it wasn't your fault. So, like, why are you sorry? And I'm already, like, trying to, like, get over this. So when you say, like, you're sorry, it, it makes me feel even more, like, vulnerable. It just makes me feel, like, really uncomfortable when people say that. Mm-hmm. And I definitely agree with, like, I understand how you feel because I don't even say that to people when I find out that somebody passed away in their life because I don't know how they mm-hmm. how they feel. So I don't ever say that. But also, I agree, like, listening, like, your presence enough, like, Mm -hmm. you being there Mm -hmm. enough, just listening to me is already valuable within itself. Because a lot of times, like, we're just processing everything. So Mm -hmm. we just need to, like, think out loud sometimes and just talk. Like, we're not looking for advice. We're not looking for your Mm. input. We're not looking for opinions. We're just looking to just talk and say what's on our mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to vent, essentially, Mm -hmm. because... Mm -hmm. 
it's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to process. So yeah, that I'm so sorry. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Like, mm-hmm. girl, it can happen to you too. Like, right, right, right. <laughs> it can happen to any of us. Yeah. And also, I think what's good too, through my losses, I've received like flowers mm. or cards. So mm. things like that help. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it softens the blow. Mm-hmm. You know, cards, flowers, or somebody might take you out. Or somebody might take you on a trip. Let me take you somewhere, or let me send you somewhere. Things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I never thought that those things like that would help me, but it has, it has helped me out. What ways do we think that grieving can be different upon culture? I'll be real. As a, as a clinician, I don't know everything, so I'm going to try to find out and ask other clinicians, ask non-clinicians, do my own research. You know, I'm African American, yeah. and I know it may look different than somebody that's Dominican, Haitian, yeah. Jamaican. That's a good question. So when the mother of my children passed, there was like a private viewing too. I was looking at my twins. I have a twin boy and girl, nine-year-olds. And when they entered the room, you know, they were sad, but they were okay. So they were sad, but they were fine. They were moving you know, forward. But then when they noticed that other people in the room was crying and were was very hysterical. Mm-hmm. I could see that when they seen that, they felt like that's mm-hmm. how they had to be mm-hmm. in that moment. So they started crying mm-hmm. hysterically. Mm-hmm. And that was just what I noticed. So when you say like different cultures, mm-hmm. in, the, in the Haitian culture, I'm pretty sure in the Caribbean culture, when someone passes away, there's like hysterical grieving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crying is mm-hmm. like extreme. Like, I think it's similar African-Americans yeah. too. Okay. So passing out, sometimes passing yeah. out or... Screaming, falling, and all types of things like that of that nature. Outward emotion. Outward mm-hmm. emotion. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I feel like also in Haitian culture, what I've noticed is, and I, actually, I don't really know how grieving looks in other cultures because this is the only one that I've experienced, mm-hmm. but I see a lot of like rallying around the family at the time like you'll be in that person's house like all week mm-hmm, paying your mm-hmm. respects you'll go you'll chill bring and food. that bring food and same that person Af- will be they'll, they'll have their house full like for that first week but then after that it's like ghost yeah. town yeah. yeah and i think Sadly, there's yeah. a huge problem with yeah. that someone who i saw as a cousin pass away earlier this year and um he was the son of someone very prominent in the city of brockton and i saw that in the home but then like i would go once a week for like the first three weeks and i would just see like everyone just trickling off mm-hmm. and his mother his mother and my mother were very close friends his mother would just say that my mom was the only person that would still like months later just be like, Oh, how are you doing? Right. Like mm-hmm. just checking mm-hmm. in because mm-hmm. everybody else is like, they're Go. there in the beginning. That's true. It's like low key, a little party too at the house. Yeah. Like everyone yeah. reunites. Mm-hmm. Like you see people that you haven't seen in a long time, but then it's you go off to your life and then you, you don't care. Or you don't check in with that family anymore. So that's what I see a lot. Mm-hmm. I can honestly say I've been on both sides. Mm-hmm. I've been on the side where, you know, there was a lot of people around and after a while it goes away. Mm-hmm. And I've been on the side where I was there in the beginning and after like two, three weeks, I may have distanced myself. Mm-hmm. What I'll say from the side of the people who may have distanced themselves, sometimes they don't realize life catches you so quick that you don't realize that the person is still going through that mm-hmm. yeah. pain because mm-hmm. it's their pain. Mm-hmm. So they're going through the motions when you may not have been close, that as close as they are with the person who passed. Mm-hmm. So you're continue thinking about the person, mm-hmm. but you're moving on. I think it's very important to continue to reach out to mm-hmm. that individual because it may not hit them at the time when everyone was there mm-hmm. and it's hitting them three weeks later, mm-hmm. a month later. That's yeah. when it's really a year hitting. later or something. Mm-hmm. A year yeah. later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so it seemed like it's always prolonged follow-up and i think that was a good point that you brought up because it it takes work 
But I think sometimes it does depend on the relationship you may have had with them. Mm-hmm. If you're closer to somebody, maybe you're always doing the follow up. But if it's somebody that's like casually or sometimes how you may show up to a funeral as part of your family as that one person that represents the family, but you may not know them, that could look different. Mm -hmm. But that's definitely something to keep in mind. Yeah. Now that I'm like conscious of it, weeks later, I'll just even if it's just a text. Yeah. I'll just be like, hey, just checking in. How are you doing today? A couple months later, hey, checking in. So just trying to build that habit and being mindful again of the fact that grieving just doesn't stop after mm-hmm. the funeral after the person yeah, is actually, it, it yeah, continues they, it continues they say that grieving doesn't stop like you never get over it you just learn how to live with it right, right. So it becomes mm-hmm. a part of you right yeah mm-hmm. right you know, like definitely you skin on, on top of it mm-hmm. it's just now you could deal with it one thing that's cultural that well i don't know if all haitians do this but one thing that my family does my dad's side of the family does in particular is that we have to wear black for like six months to a year after Mm -hmm. the funeral i remember when i was in eighth grade and my great aunt passed away and i lived in a house with my aunt my grandmother my grandfather like it was a really big family like in one house and we could not wear any color at all like at all all of my clothes were black if i Mm -hmm. wore like a a black and pink shirt i would have gotten trouble we couldn't be too happy and like my family like we're, we're jokesters like we're like the typical big black family mm-hmm. whenever we would be laughing too much my grandmother would be like no you guys need to stop laughing like people are not gonna know that. people know that you guys are grieving like you're supposed to be grieving so like we had to like stay be a certain way. in that state mm. for an extended period of time and like to me that's counterproductive mm-hmm. like i don't want to be reminded all the time that i that like i lost someone mm-hmm. and i don't know how healthy that is for my family in particular, but it was something that I really hated growing up that like you just had to stay stuck there mm-hmm. for a, a certain amount of time to kind of like prove to the person who passed that like we miss you. And it's, it, it, may, it never made any sense to me. Mm-hmm. It's called um, when you have to dress day. all black on a day, mm-hmm. right? I'm on a day right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, all but black, yeah. everything. Yeah, I understand. I think it's counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah, because you got to move on. And I, well, I don't know, I'm not a therapist, but I think if you stay down too long or depressed mm. too long, it becomes a habit. Yeah, it can be chronic. And it becomes chronic, mm-hmm. and then now you're in a chronic state of depression. I definitely agree. I think that it does take time. And I think the biggest thing is just to be patient. Just take things day by day. And I mean, also try to get your sleep in, try to eat healthy, try to move, you know, mm-hmm. work out. Again, be around your, your social supports. And you got to pay your bills. <laughs> you got to pay the rent. You got to pay those student loans back. Yeah. You got a nine to five. You do have to take care of those things. So it's good to keep those things in mind, but you don't want to like weigh it down on you. It's mm-hmm. still, again, going to be a memory with you, but it's how you move with that memory. Right. Yeah. Do you think you can prepare for death? Yeah. I think I'm doing that I right think, now. I don't think you could prepare a hundred percent, but you can prepare. To an extent. Like my mom, for example, my mom died two years ago mm-hmm. but i put myself in that position years ago like if mm-hmm. this was to happen i would do this i would react this way and so you could kind of prepare well my mom wasn't sick she just she had a, a hemorrhage a brain hemorrhage wow. and she just passed immediately wow. but like the mother of my children she had cancer mm-hmm. so we were hoping for the best outcome but if it went that way then so you can kind of prepare I'm not going to say you can't prepare, but I think you have to be careful with that sometimes Mm. because like, so one of the side effects of like losing my mom was that a lot of times I get paranoid 
with people I love, like, oh my God, what if they die today? Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Like, I literally have these thoughts now, not so much, but I would always think like, you know, what if my dad doesn't come home today? What if my sister doesn't come home today? Like, mm-hmm. I think that those thoughts can kind of take you to a dark place that mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to be at in mm-hmm. the moment. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you know someone is sick, like, for example, my grandmother passed away in July Mm -hmm. and she was in like the late stages of cancer. And like we knew there was like a possibility that she was going to die. We just didn't really know when, even though like I saw her, she was really sick. She looked different. I knew like her time was was running up when she passed. It was still like, damn. Thanksgiving. I always see her on Thanksgiving. And like the fact that she wasn't there was just like, yo, like she really Mm. passed. It's circumstantial, mm-hmm. but like everybody's gonna die at yeah. some point. So you don't yeah, want to be like, reality. I need to prepare for like everyone when they, <laughs> yeah. when they're yeah. gonna die. <laughs> if you know someone is like really sick and they're like approaching that yeah. point in their life, there are some steps you can take. I don't know about emotionally preparing, but like preparing for the actual like, like be cognizant of it. Right, yeah. right, yeah. right. Yeah. 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 And similar to what others have said, it's one thing to keep it in general cognizant. We all will deal with. The loss of somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it also depends on what if it's like somebody that's 16? What if it's somebody that's even like 30 or 40? You know, Mm -hmm. it depends by age. It depends by maybe the state that they were in. You know, unfortunately, it could be it could have been a suicide. There's so many different ways that to look at it. It could have been a car crash. It could have mm-hmm. been, unfortunately, like a murder. Mm-hmm. It could be, unfortunately, a brain hemorrhage. You just never know yeah. where it is in that space. Because with a young person that may die or complete suicide, you may think, wow, they have so much potential. Mm-hmm. They could have done this. They could have done that. You just think about the what ifs, the what ifs. People are always talking about Tupac. He could have been this. Mm-hmm. Biggie mm-hmm. could have been that. Mm-hmm. You know, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X died or they got murdered at 39. Mm-hmm. You know, so it depends. And also you got to think about if it's your spouse or something, mm-hmm. how does the financial things may come to you? How do you go on? And it just depends on the relationship, where they are in their life and their health. It's so many different factors, mm-hmm. you know, the paranoia that you talked about. I don't know if I go through it at the same level, but I do that. I find myself doing that, thinking about my mother dying or my aunt dying and then mm-hmm. like being in a state where I'm like crying and I'm just like, okay, this has not happened yet. Why are you so upset? But I think what impacts me is constantly seeing death as a reality, like on TV. Oh, yeah. And Social like, media. My mom yeah. goes to Haiti all the time and just like watching the news. Me and my grandmother, we watch Haitian news on her, mm-hmm. on her little tablet, on her couch <laughs> together. Just seeing mm-hmm. all of the chaos that happens there. I always picture my mom going to Haiti and getting kidnapped or going to Haiti and being shot or whatever it is yes knock on wood i think death it's such a reality and it's so much in our face but then we don't really talk about it so that's one of the other things that like i really appreciated about having this space to do this and so i mentioned my grandmother who was 91 and she is one of my best friends i love my grandmother and the way that I'm preparing for her death is through just recording conversations with her. Cause mm-hmm. I got advice mm. from one of my friends who was close with her grandmother. And she was just like, record everything. Every mm-hmm. time she tells a story or every time she says something wise, like I'll put out my phone, put the video on and I'll say like, grandma, do sound call? Say it again, grandma. <laughs> and then like, she'll say it. And like, I just picture myself already like, having a a collage at her uh, funeral and just putting all the videos together. And we talk about her death too. 
we talk about what she wants to have at her funeral. She wants it to be a celebration. Yeah. yeah. She says she yeah. wants it to be a party. And I'm like, oh, Grandma, what do you think about us wearing all white instead of black? And she's like, I like that. I think there's also a certain way that we as black people, no matter if where you're from, there's certain ways that we probably were cut off from. But I think there's certain ways that we have grieved in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think in New Orleans, I believe they celebrate. I mean, there's a funeral procession. It's, it's a, a party. party. It's a party. <laughs> it's a, you know what I'm saying? So, again, going back to the culture, that's something. And then also in some families, and I think even some African-American families that I know of, instead of wearing black, they may wear blue. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Let's, yeah. Think of, let's look to the sky. You know, this person may like the sky. Something positive. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And um, then also, like, not judging how other people celebrate right. the passing of people's death. Because right. when you mentioned New Orleans, I saw a video on Twitter that went viral of somebody dancing on a coffin. And she was just going in while there was like a live band playing and then people were just like how could you dance on the coffin of the dead like that's so disrespectful and it's just like okay you can grieve the way you want to grieve let other cultures or other groups do it the way that they They feel like is paying respect to their family i think we must never measure someone else's grief by our mirror's reflection exactly you know because everyone grieves differently i know there's people that they may lose someone tonight in the same night, they're at a club. Right. Yep. right. Yep. So yep. you could be on the sideline looking at them saying, look, how could you be partying? Mm-hmm. But you don't know that's how they're coping. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. right. They could be coping. That's how they choose to listen to music and whatever. Right. So we can't judge someone else's grief. And I, and I think the one of the unifying things is thinking about the memories of that person and their impact that they had on you, the stories mm-hmm. they, they told mm-hmm. you. How do you keep going forward with like the fight? Something that. That a they legacy. Preached you. A legacy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something that they preached to you and taught mm-hmm. you and groomed you. And then you're like, all right, that's the part of the story where you, when you're going forward and living your life, that is, is really important. The legacy. How do you follow through on that legacy? And I think mm-hmm. it, it can give you a new profound drive right. for something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It can give you a new outlook, a new perspective that's actually positive. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I, I take death and experiencing a lot of deaths this year like I, I was very sad but i i'm very like grounded in my spirituality and my relationship with god so like i know i know this is his destiny mm-hmm. and i know that if he's gonna like invite somebody home it's because it's time for them to come home mm-hmm. so i find peace in, in knowing that so when when people pass like you know i'm obviously sad that i'm never gonna see them again mm-hmm. but i know that they've moved on to the next part of their journey like the work yeah. that they're mm-hmm. doing is even greater now than Amen. what they were doing on earth and so i just like bask in that energy and I really carry it with me I have a lot of pictures in my room of people who have passed and like some people might think it's creepy but to me it's like a reminder that A life is short and I Mm -hmm. I have work to do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like I have impact to have Mm -hmm. I have a a legacy to leave and and that mindset is just like really important to me so that's why when my family is like oh you gotta wear all black you gotta be sad you can't Mm -hmm. laugh I'm like why like they don't even want that for us Mm -hmm. like you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like they never lived a life like this Mm -hmm. But to each your own. I feel like you guys touched on it a little bit already, but I wanted to dive deeper into it. So I'm reading Charlemagne the God's book, Shook mm. One. And it's just about the anxiety that he has dealt with his entire life. And then actually realizing that it was anxiety because he never really had a word to describe it. And he talks a lot about survivor's guilt. And mm-hmm. the fact that he's seen a lot of people growing up in his hometown of South Carolina get shot in front of him and things like that. Mm-hmm. And he's at this point where he's a millionaire and he's living. Mm-hmm. He has his wife and he has his kids. Mm-hmm. He's sometimes he asks the question of 
why God, why me? Like, why wasn't it me? Do you guys ever feel that way or ever feel bad? Or I don't know what the actual emotion would be, but some type of way with the fact that you've seen these people within your life pass away, but you're still here. I mean, the guilt I've had, the guilt I've had for the uh, the mother of my children and for my mother mm-hmm. would be that there are certain things I wanted to do with them. I didn't get a chance to do. And there's mm-hmm. certain places in life where I wanted them to see me at. Mm-hmm. They didn't get a chance to see it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that may be the the guilt that I deal with sometimes. Like I wish they were around a little bit longer to see certain accomplishments. Or I wish I could have done certain things with them. Mm-hmm. I thought I had more time. That kind of guilt. I don't think I've ever had like survivor's guilt. But I think that because I've experienced loss... I operate in that mode sometimes where I'm like, okay, I need to be there for like everybody just in case like anything mm-hmm. ever happens. Like mm-hmm. so-and-so is doing this. I need to be there because I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So that's something that I've experienced. Like that feeling of like, I don't know when they're going to pass. So like yeah. whatever they need from me, I have to give it to them. Mm-hmm. Or like whenever they need me, I have to be there. And that's something mm-hmm. that's been like kind of detrimental to me because I've kind of like forgotten about myself and I'm always thinking about other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I'm like, I'm like constantly working on, but that's the kind of guilt that I've experienced. Like, Oh, I have to be there. Cause I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. In regards to survivor's guilt, when I think that gets lost is sometimes people offer up support, but it may not be, at the time that they can give support. So I think it's just good to keep in mind, like when you can be open and mm-hmm. do that, because it may not. And then they're going to mm-hmm. be looking at you. That's even more guilt. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I always try to advise people to like, when you can, you can, mm-hmm. if you can't, you, you cannot. Can. And that's okay. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. that's something I actually experienced with my therapist this year. So when I lost my friend Kearns in April and he was uh, the young man who passed away in the car crash, he was like, I challenge you to, when you go to the funeral, like, don't tell anybody that you're there if you need them. Like, don't say those words at mm. all. Just be there and then just don't say it. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, so hard for me mm. when I was at the funeral. Because these are my friends. Like, these are my boys. Like, my mm-hmm. homies. And, like, mm-hmm. to see them in so much pain. And I, I like, couldn't mm-hmm. say, I'm here if you need anything. Like, he was like, don't say that. And, like, I, I passed the test. And I'm still there for them. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't have to say, I'm here for you if you need anything at all. Like, for them to know that, you know, I got them and I support them and I love them. So, like, that was Mm -hmm. an important lesson for me. Because I agree. Like, sometimes I can't be there for everybody. So, like, don't offer up that support if you can't. But it's just, like, a natural reaction. Whatever you need, like, I got you. And then he was like, don't say that. And I'm like... <laughs> as you were saying, if you're an empath, it just kind of naturally comes along. Yeah. That's good to keep in mind. Yeah. At least you know that about yourself. Yeah. And that's really good advice to go into situations like that, knowing that, okay, I cannot commit mm-hmm. to saying this in this moment. I would just say, like, also, actions speak louder than words. Right. So just showing up and being also there. the prolonged follow up, just showing up, right. being a voice, doing a little favor, Aaron, just that prolonged thing. Without mentioning it, just do it. So I have a question for you, Josh. When we talk about grief, we normally think of death, and that's been the premise of most of this conversation. But can you grieve other things? Is that possible? I guess based upon the definition, if it's a loss, it can be a loss of a relationship. It doesn't have to necessarily be death itself, but mm-hmm. you can grieve the loss of a friendship. You can grieve the loss possibly of a of a relationship. I haven't had any clinical experience in regards to that too much, so 
And would people, if they're grieving like the loss of a relationship or like losing their home or things like that, true, yeah. would they go about it in the same way that like we're talking about death since it is loss? Hmm. So this is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a little while back, I had a storage unit and I let the storage unit get overdue to the point where I lost everything in the storage unit. Mm. And one of the things I lost in the storage unit that was like priceless to me was an album family album and it was an album that i created like a timeline for when i was like a little baby all yeah. the way to when I, when I was an adult yeah that album i lost it in there it's an album i could never get again yeah. so i believe that i was grieving over that album mm-hmm. i and, would and too after, that's memories when it first happened i was like really distraught yeah and after a while i've been learning how to live with it sometimes i'm like damn i lost that album but i know how to live with it a little bit better now i think more so bereavement is what the physical losses with mm. somebody, but grief is just general loss. Mm. General you know? loss. Say that one more time. So bereavement is just like, I think more so the, the physical loss of somebody or even a pet, right? Because yeah. mm-hmm. people lose their pets. Mm-hmm. Joe Budden, he was boohooing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. talking about the loss of his pit bull Harlem. He mm-hmm. really loves his dog. Mm-hmm. I think his dog was like 15 years old and that can be something. And even pets can sometimes grieve, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But also, the whole bereavement is more of a loss. I think more so associated with the death. But uh, grief is just maybe just a loss. That's but, a good distinction to me. Because yeah. I, I yeah. know, like, bereavement is, like, time off you take from work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I never I knew, of. like, what exactly it meant. <laughs> yeah. So I wrote down convicting those that murder a loved one. And mm. I don't know if that's something that you guys have ever experienced. So in your situation, your mother was murdered. Would you feel better finding the person that had killed your mother or would that not make a difference in your life? Or has that been something that you've thought about? I honestly haven't thought about it. I honestly know what it would do to help me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, you know, when you watch movies and you see that happen and you see people like justice, justice. Yeah. In this situation, I guess, like, it depends on context. And maybe if I was older and I really understood, I still have a hard time processing that my mom was murdered mm-hmm. because my family never actually told me what happened. They just lied to us and told us that she died in a car crash. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until years later when my dad, he didn't even know that I didn't know the truth because I was living with my mom's family at the time. Mm-hmm. So he was just like, wait, she died how? And I was like, a car crash. And he was like, no. And then this was like years later. So I I had already like processed the fact that she died. It it wouldn't have really done much for me. And like supposedly that person, there was justice served, but Mm -hmm. it didn't do anything for me. It's like nothing is going to bring her back. So like at the end of the day, like it is what it is. And like my life changed so drastically after she Mm -hmm. passed away because I ended up moving back to Boston Mm -hmm. and like living with my dad's side of the family, going to a new school, like being in a whole new climate, environment, language. Mm -hmm. So I was just focused more on like, moving on than like really dwelling on my past life, including my mom. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what I see from the outside looking in, in a lot of scenarios is especially with these like high profiled, like police killing. So DJ Henry, who is from Easton was really good friends with my brother growing up. His parents found justice for the police officer that killed him But from what they said in, like, a lot of the interviews that they've done, they still don't have their son at the end of the day. So even though justice was served, it's still a loss. They still go home and DJ's not in their room. So it's interesting, too, that we put 
a lot of that energy into doing that. And yes, I do believe if you commit a crime that you should be held accountable for it. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people go into that situation thinking that it's going to alleviate some sort of pain, but then it doesn't. So have you heard about Centoya Brown? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would be your thoughts? Because he's in a survivor. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, she was 16. They tried getting her to go into like uh, be a sex worker. And I think she murdered somebody at 16, mm-hmm, as 43. Mm-hmm. How would it look like for grief or whatever the case oh, may be for, for their family? Right. Mm, that's tough. That is tough because it's not as if like that person was innocent themselves. Right. They still didn't deserve to die. I think it's perspective mm-hmm. in some ways is how realistic that family wants to be about mm-hmm. it. Perspective. Like you said, the person didn't deserve to die, but someone else could say that the kind of work that the person was doing person's supposed to die if you're making a 16 year old girl go out and have sex with other people mm-hmm. and you know that she's 16 you older you don't deserve to live on this earth mm-hmm. and so they could be right and you could be right i think justice is like not limited to that particular person going to jail it's more so what was the issue that even caused the situation and how do we work to like prevent that from happening Mm -hmm. so i think because of how my mom passed away and because i'm a woman but i'm I'm super passionate about women i'm super passionate about protecting and, and really developing our women to be able to like hold their own to me, that's justice. For me to be able to contribute to that type of work and contribute to those types of causes, like that's justice to me. Mm-hmm. So it's not focusing on that particular person, but how can we prevent women from being in these situations in, in the, the first place? place. Right. In the right. first Finding place, yeah. the root cause. The root mm-hmm. cause. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I pose the question because I'm not asking to have a judgment to that person, sort of person who put her in that situation should have, but you have to think about it in many different ways. Mm-hmm. And think about that person did commit a crime and did have that young lady out there at that time but at the root of it especially as a clinician we think of it like this person is still a person mm-hmm. and you know in my situation i gotta put that to the side those are the feelings that i have mm-hmm. and still you know be able to be there for that if that person was in the facility i still have to give the person services or for their family you know i gotta kind of put that I'm to biased. the side yeah. mm-hmm. right i can't bring in my biases and i have yeah. to check that yeah i see it from your perspective and i also look at it what if it was my daughter Mm-hmm. Who's 16 mm-hmm. or what i want for that person so mm-hmm. i agree with the, dealing with the root cause because if we could fix that then it could stop right right, right. we could help right. so, we, many we could help so many people. more people mm-hmm. and i look at it from another perspective what if that was my daughter what would i yeah. want do i want that person who did that to her to go to prison no with the root cause there's definitely i think today is like the anniversary of hashtag say her name in regards mm. to do with sandra bland and mm-hmm. a lot of times black women i think it's mostly uh just to black women who have been in violent situations who have been murdered uh it's good to keep those things in mind but it's also good to keep it in mind just for not the black women that maybe we're related to or have some type of bond mm-hmm. with but all black women. right absolutely i agree so i actually realized that i forgot to ask you guys this in the beginning but i think it's actually fitting that i ask you guys this in the end knowing that you guys have just divulged a lot of your experiences but how are you feeling let's start with you josh i'll answer two ways when i first came in i was a little tired mm-hmm. but this is a long week it's friday but now i feel good i feel motivated i feel energized just from the conversation and the vibes mm-hmm. that we talked about so then i thank you all for us having a real fruitful conversation because mm-hmm. i definitely learned from it for me, uh, the mother of my children, she passed about like four weeks ago. So for the past four weeks, 
people have been asking me, how are you? How are you doing? How are the children? And I remember in the beginning, I was saying, I'm okay. But I changed it to I'm blessed and highly favored. That's the vibe I want to have. Because I noticed that when I was saying I'm okay, I was feeling okay. And mm-hmm. I was operating in an okay way. Mm-hmm. So I'm blessed and highly favored. Because that's the vibe I'm I'm pushing. I'm optimistic. What I like about that, too, is you're, like, projecting that onto me. Because if yeah. you're saying you're blessed and highly favored, I'm like, oh, I am, too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I like that. I like that response. Yeah. I was honestly really nervous to do this podcast because I've done like a number of different podcasts, but I've never really spoken about grief and I've never really like shared my personal experience with grief on like any type of platform. So I was like nervous. I'm like, am I going to cry? What's going to happen? But I honestly, I, I feel really good and I feel like we had a really great conversation and it was just very respectful and like we were able to hear different people's stories but also like compare it to like the actual world and i too feel energized and motivated and it was kind of like a reminder to me as to what my purpose is essentially so i feel really good there was a question that you had yeah right but i didn't see you ask it i know it in my head i think it was something about how do you cope it's interesting there's a song that i've been listening to and it's called kingston town Mm-hmm. It's about this group called so UB40. And in the song, he's talking about going to Kingston Town and he's describing how Kingston Town looks. Mm-hmm. And then he's also saying that that's when he becomes a king, that's where he's going to meet his queen, like at Kingston Town. So as I've been listening to that song, it takes me somewhere. And I took it in a way where I'm using Kingston Town as like heaven, as a, as a way for like motivation. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that. There'll be a time where I'll get to meet the mother of my children. I'll get to meet my father. I'll get to meet my mother mm-hmm. at a certain place. Mm-hmm. And that from now to that time, I got to work extra hard to achieve A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. So that when I meet them, I can talk to them about mm-hmm. what I've done mm-hmm. and what I've left behind. And mm-hmm. we could all build together. That's how I cope. I try to look at the beautiful picture in the future versus looking at what the situation really is because i believe sometimes if we look at the situation as, as what it really is we'll be like in a state of paralysis we can't move forward so i try to see a beautiful ending and mm-hmm. work towards that and that keeps me hopeful gives me strength it gives me courage because i'm not looking at what's really happening mm-hmm. but what's really happening is it's bad i like how that counterbalances the survivor's guilt that you were talking about in the beginning and yeah. just the fact that Fabi and your parents weren't able to see like what you're about to accomplish, but thinking about what motivates you is being able to reconnect with them and see them and be like, Hey, this is what I've done. This is where I'm at. So you're building yourself up now in the present so that you can kind of like counterbalance the guilt that you're also feeling. Yes. Because they didn't get to see you. I like that. That's dope. Yes. Do you guys want to share your coping skills too? I had really unhealthy coping skills. When I was younger, not unhealthy in a way that I was like physically hurting myself because I got so adjusted to pain. Like I thought that was like my norm. I like made myself a sponge for like everybody's pain. Like I was just like, I have to bear it. I have to bear it. I have to Mm -hmm. take it off of them because like I know I can handle it. So I'll I'll take their pain off and, and I'll hold it. That was like really unhealthy for me growing up. And it's something that has been hard for me to like continue to learn to like let go and know that other people's pain is not necessarily my responsibility. Mm -hmm. But I cope by just being a light, 
being positive and mm-hmm. just trying to be a light, mm-hmm. like to just be that spark in, in people's lives, like motivate other people, inspire other people. Like that's how I cope because I feel like this happened to me for a reason mm-hmm. and it, it changed my life. It changed my perspective. And that's something that I want to share with other people. Cause I know a lot of people who are like, I've never been to a funeral or I never lost somebody close to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, bruh. <laughs> so that's very interesting mm-hmm. just humbling them in that way in that aspect and being like you know like bad things can happen but you can still keep going and it gets better what about you josh you know i don't really have an answer it mm-hmm. just depends i'm a day-by-day person it's just basically how how i wake up and how i feel that day and taking a day by day and being patient i cry whenever i feel like it. me too mm-hmm. no, no i, I love like to, to cry, cry. i too. cry sometimes i want to drink so I'll drink. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I, I want to be in that state. Mm-hmm. Some may see it as bad. So I have their pictures, pictures of the funeral, mm-hmm. actually them in the, in the coffin. And I like to look at it sometimes. I like to look at it and cry. And I'll look at it for a few hours and I'll listen to music and I'll mm-hmm. drink and I'll cry and I'll cry. Mm-hmm. And then I'll wipe my eyes, tears, and I'll go on. And I, I feel good after that. I oh. mean, that's, that's me. There's a lot of great therapists of color. There's no really one specific way to cope or deal with this, but I'm also just going to impress just to see a professional. If you want, I can email it to you or something. There's a spreadsheet of therapists of color in the Boston we area. We got it linked to our website. Oh, dope. dope. <laughs> W-O-Y-M-I-N-C dot mm-hmm. org. You can find that on our website on the resources tab. There you yes. go. Go get that. That's, that's important. The reason why I say that my twins... Mm-hmm. Before their mother passed, we were trying to get therapists for them, just for them to have, because mm-hmm. they were experiencing a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not knocking any organization that does therapy, mm-hmm. but the organization that we kept on finding, for one, it was South Bay, mm-hmm. and they were all white people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. But for me, I wanted someone of color for yeah, my children. Let's and it was difficult connect. to find. And uh, I can help yeah. you. Because yeah, you're in Brockton area, right? Yes. Yep. And whatever the case may be, it's just good to, you know, you get, get your oil changed. Yeah. <laughs> you get everything else checked up or right. check up with your right. teeth and this and that. It's just good to, in a yeah. sense, even if it's not bereavement and grief, go shoot with somebody for a few sessions. Right. right. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. You Mental never know. health is just as important as physical health. For yes, sure. Yes, it is. Yes, I it always is. try to tell people. Mm-hmm. Sure. Thank I you. I found my therapist from that spreadsheet. And we're about to be a year into sessions now. And I don't have any, like, actual, like, mental health diagnosis or anything. Like, I'm not, like, depressed or anything. But it's so helpful talking to him and just, like, talking about my life. And, like, help he helps me navigate so much and gives me a lot of great tools so that I can continue to grow personally. And it affects a whole bunch of different aspects of my life, especially as an entrepreneur. Like, that's a whole nother, like, mental roller coaster within itself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I definitely recommend that. I'm, I'm 27 now, and that's when I started seeing a therapist. So, like, it's still really helpful. Mm-hmm. So Charlemagne also always talks about the fact that he waited till he was, like, 40 years old to see a therapist. And that's years and years of unpacking trauma so i always say the sooner the better Mm -hmm. we all have trauma no matter if you come from the suburbs no matter if you come from the hood we've all experienced things that impact us 
and it's good to just get it off your chest and mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. it and not just talk about it with anybody but talk about it with someone who is equipped with right. the tools to help you and support you and allow you to navigate it and even challenge you. I think right. that's like one of my favorite parts of therapy too, is that you're not just having like a, a yes man there, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes our friends, although they have great intentions, they're, they're going to say yes, they're going to agree. They have biases. They know who you are, but having someone who is unbiased to I'm talk talking. to you Yes, about not gonna judge exactly, you. Yeah, like exactly. You so check your oil, you check your engine, you check everything. You got, we gotta check here. Yep. Yeah, like source. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. So we've come to the end of the podcast. So I'm just gonna end with a mindful moment, and just as a reminder, our mindful moments are meant to be moments where we are present, we are thinking of our thoughts fluidly, unattached and non-judgmental mm-hmm. i'm constantly judging myself i'll speak for myself even when i have certain thoughts come in and out i'm just like why'd you think that why you're not supposed to be thinking that so non-judgmentally means just be present and if you feel something and you think something just let it leave it doesn't have to stick with you so i was presented this through a friend who's a clinician that i've known for a very long time and I challenge you guys after you listen to this episode to go for a walk. And this is a five, four, three, two, one exercise. And I want you to look at five things you can see and note those in mentally writing, however you want to. Four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. I'm going to repeat that one more time. So five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. So I challenge everyone in the room, everyone that's listening, to try to do that sometime this week. Mm -hmm. And when you do do it, I want you to let me know how it feels doing it. So y'all can text me if you don't have my number. Tweet it, hashtag mindful, M-I-N-D-F-U-L-L. Thank you guys so much for listening. It's a wrap on episode 10, and I will catch you next time. Let's talk about it, talk about it Don't let it sit on your mind